Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Oh, I don't normally do this, but I want to say this to you. I, I, you know, I've already told you I'm never going to rag on you about uh, traveling in summer and taking vacation because we all need to do that. And so I'm not doing that this morning. I just want to say this to you. If you can be here over the next uh, little bit, next week in, in particular and, and the following weeks, I really feel like and since that the Lord has a word that he wants to speak to us that I'm planning on preaching next week, I, uh, just a standalone message in our series this morning on Temptation Island. But next week I want to talk to you. I think I'm going to call it the deadliest catch or something like that, just a one uh, sermon deal. And But I, I kind of feel like it may be a prophetic word for where God wants to take some of us individually. And so I strongly encourage you to be here. And then and then the next week after that I'm going to start in a, a three-part series called The Hunger Games that I really do sense in my spirit may be a real... Um, turning point for our congregation and and so I just encourage you to be here if you can't be here you can always go back and watch online and and check out the archive but I want you to be here and then as we roll into August we're going to be promoting a series real big into our community called Aliens going to be a little bit different around here I promise and it's going to be pretty cool and we just uh, anticipate God doing some great things how many are excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning amen amen well I am thankful to be a part of passion but it goes beyond that. I'm also very thankful to be a part of the body of Christ. How many of you know this isn't just about us? There are other people around the globe, and we're part of a brotherhood, and we're excited about that and just delighted that we get to worship. We've been in this series called Temptation Island. I've made some statements to you. Uh, let me just kind of catch you up if you've missed. I've been talking to you about Temptation Island because what temptation tries to do is it tries to isolate you and separate you and place you on an island where you feel like you're all by yourself. And if the devil can ever divide us, he conquers us, amen, and so we've learned that we cannot allow the enemy to isolate us by temptation, and so we started talking about this, I took you into James chapter 1, where James says everybody's tempted, he says when you're tempted, don't blame God, right, and then he talks about how to cut down temptation, he says don't let it be conceive and give birth to a, in uh, the message Bible says a baby, it gives birth to sin, and sin leads to death, and so first week I said this to you, that the temptation plays tricks on us he tempts us to blame somebody else it's the movie's fault that I fell well I, I understand uh, you paid the eight dollars but you could have got up and walked out uh, uh, it's the government's fault if they weren't if it, it's my spouse's fault if my spouse would cook a better meal than I would then I it's my kids fault if my kids weren't crazy I wouldn't have all these angry and we want to blame everybody else and James says no no don't even blame God. It's not his fault. If we fall into temptation and we fall into sin, how many of you know it's our fault? Yeah, okay, everybody that everybody else is living a lie don't understand. It is our fault when we fall. And then I said this, temptation tries to trick us into feeling special. Nobody knows how bad I got it. Nobody's been tempted like I've been tempted. Nobody's struggling like I'm struggling. And at that moment that we buy that lie, we push people away that God has sent us to help us to overcome the temptation because they've been through it and they know how to defeat it. But because we're special, nobody can help us. Uh, and you remember, I broke. I, I, I sent you all to counseling, and because I, I stood up here and said, "You're not that special. It's old dog, old tricks. The enemy uses common temptation to all of us, couching it in different ways. But we're not that special. He he tries to divide us. And then I said this: If you're not careful, temptation will trick you into falling for hookers. 
Y'all remember that? Had a fishing pole with a little hook on it. And that is the concept that James talks about when he says he tries to entice us or draw us away. And he he dangles, lures, and bait in front of us and tries to get us to fixate on that bait. And we fail to recognize that there's a barb on the end of that hook. And at the moment we bite that thing, he sets the hook and we're caught. So we got to avoid the little hookers. What is the little hooker in your life that he constantly uses on you? I challenged you to make the devil have to change bait. The devil hasn't had to change tactics on some of you in two decades. He just uses the same temptation over and over again. Make him try something different. Amen. And then last week I took you into an account of what is perhaps the greatest triumph over temptation illustrated for us in the story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife. He overcomes temptation. You remember how he did it? He First of all, he refocuses the 4R. He refocuses his attention. He says, man, lady, I can't do this because I couldn't do this to God. I get my attention off of the lure and I see God and I refocus on what is important. How many have been focusing on what's important this week? Amen. Yeah, three of you. Okay, the rest of you are in trouble. All right. Then I said you got to resist. We continue to fail resistance training. By the way, newsflash, you don't have to be the devil's pinata. Just because he tempts you doesn't mean you have to fall. Just because he tries to beat up on you doesn't mean you have to take it. Some of us would just do well to resist every once in a while and fight back. Come on, elbow your neighbor and say fight back. Yeah, you should fight back. Yeah, and then I said this, the third R was sometimes you you got to allow your resistance to turn into running. Yeah, if you buke and rebuke and buke again and that thing doesn't go away, there are moments in your life where you just need to get your running shoes on and run for your life. In fact, you'll remember last week I told you I really have been praying for you that God would give you the runs, that that, that thing that you've been resisting that hadn't been going away, that God would step in and signal, hey, man, it's time to quit resisting. It's time to run for your life because if you don't run, you're going to fall. And then we talked about respect. I can't afford to fall. Because I respect you too much. There are boundaries. Joseph said it like this. How could I do this to my master? He's he's entrusted me with everything he owns. How could I dare do this? There are boundaries I cannot cross. And so I said to you, you got to respect one another that it keeps you from doing things that otherwise you would fall prey to. You can't do that. We love one another too much. We respect one another too much. We're connected. And if I mess up, it impacts you. And if if you mess up, it impacts me. So that's where we ended last week. I want to take you into another passage this morning that I am so thankful that God allowed it to be in the Bible. Now, I will be honest with you. If I'd have been writing the Bible, I would have left this out because uh, it, it's better to tell the good stuff, right? And so I'm thankful that God told us about Joseph and Potiphar's wife and that he overcome and he, he whipped temptation and all that kind of stuff. I'm thankful. But how many of you know that we're not always successful like that? So I'm glad that God showed us uh, an account where there was failure so we can learn so we don't make the same mistakes. So I took you to the most famous success story. Let me take you to what I believe may be the most famous failure so we can learn not to repeat history. It's found in 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11. You're going to know this story when I read it to you. 2 Samuel chapter 11 beginning in verse 1. In the spring... At the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked on the roof of of the palace. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. 
And David sent someone to find out about her. And the man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Perfect example of not understanding respect. David finds out she's off limits, and he didn't respect Uriah. In fact, did you know that Uriah was one of David's mighty men? He was in relationship with this guy, and this guy had put his life at risk to make David king, and David didn't respect him enough to stop. That's how temptation works. So this goes on. It says, then David sent messengers to get her. And she came to him, and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanness, uncleanliness, and the, then she went back home. And the woman conceived and sent word to David, saying, I'm pregnant. So David sent this word to Joab. Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent him to David. And when Uriah came to him, David asked him how Joab was and how the soldiers were and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace and a gift from the king was sent after him. But Uriah slept at the entrance to the palace with all his master's servants and did not go down to his own house. David was told Uriah did not go home. So he asked Uriah, haven't you just come from a military campaign? Why didn't you go home? And Uriah said to David, the ark and Israel and Judah are staying in tents, and my commander Joab and my Lord's men are camped in the open country. How could I go to my house to eat and drink and make love to my wife? As surely as you live, I will not do such a thing, he understood. Respect. Then David said to him, stay here one more day, and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. And at David's invitation, he ate and drank with him, and David made him drunk. But in the evening, Uriah went out to sleep on his mat among his master's servants. He did not go home. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab, and he sent it with Uriah. And in it, he wrote, put Uriah out in the front where the fighting is fiercest, then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and die. So while Joab had the city under siege, he put Uriah at the place where he knew the strongest defenders were. And when the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, some of, men, some of the men in David's army fell. Moreover, Uriah the Hittite died. Perhaps of all the passages I could read to you, this passage takes us back to James chapter 1 and shows you what happens when we don't defeat temptation. Temptation always conceives and always, if we don't deal with it, will always produce the same offspring, sin. And sin always leads to death. David illustrates that. He, this account shows that if you don't deal with temptation, if you don't kill it when it starts, if you don't mind and guard your spirit, that this is what happens. David, is. it's almost like he's in this dance with temptation. He's tap dancing around danger he's he's dancing with this dangerous thing and then all of a sudden it reaches out and grabs him david teaches us this that nobody's impervious to temptation there is no superman no one's bulletproof if you don't do what you're supposed to do temptation can overcome you so i i'm thankful that the that the account is there because he teaches us four simple lessons that will help us see because out of this series this summer what i read the, these this three-part series i've really been praying that what god would do is not only would we have an encounter with god which we believe in and we are we long for but that he would equip us to be able to resist and to defeat temptation so we got to learn the lessons on how to deal with it right so this is what david teaches us he he teaches us that one of the key tools to defeat temptation is this you've got to understand seasons 
If you want to fight and win against temptation, you've got to become someone who understands seasons. The Bible says it this way. It says that it was the seasons when it was the season when kings were supposed to go out to war, but it's a dangerous word. But David stayed at home. David didn't recognize the season. He didn't understand the season. How many of you know butts can get you in trouble? I was supposed to go to church, but. I was supposed to spend time with my wife, but. I was supposed to hang out with them, but. If you're not careful and you don't understand seasons, you can get yourself in trouble. The season was that he was supposed to be at war, but instead he was hanging out in the palace. Where are you remaining that's getting you in trouble? Where are you hanging out right now that you shouldn't be hanging out? Okay, y'all don't like me much already, but that's all right. David didn't pay attention to the season. Here it is. I'm going to summarize his story for you right now. Here's the summary of this account. David was in the wrong place at the right time. Uh, See, you got to understand, the enemy will wait for you to be in the wrong place at the right time. Yeah, we want to be in the right place at the right time, but there is no such thing as being in the wrong place at the right time, too. Because I don't know if you've experienced this, but it never fails. If you're in the wrong place, the devil always makes sure it's the right time. That smell, that, that memory, that image, that, that relationship, you're in the wrong place, but at the right time. And when you walk into that moment, the devil, the enemy of your soul, his job description is still the same. It hasn't changed. He hasn't taken time off. He wants to steal. He wants to kill. He wants to destroy. He will make sure. That it's the right moment when you're not where you're supposed to be. So we got to understand seasons. If we don't understand seasons, then we won't understand how to defeat temptation. If here, here's see, there are seasons when seasons when everybody is susceptible to temptation. There, you got to know yourself. There are moments in your life when you will be more susceptible to temptation than you normally are. Yeah, yeah, you got to know that. It may be a, a, a season right after you've had an extreme season of focus or an extreme season of hard work that, or maybe even a, a season of extreme sickness. At the end of that thing, you think you're coming out and all of a sudden you're susceptible to temptation. We let our guards down. We don't understand seasons. I've watched as people have worked themselves into temptation and then I've also watched as people relax themselves into temptation it's all about seasons you've got to understand seasons because if you're not careful if you don't know your season you will end up where you should not be when you should not be see I've learned in my own life that after seasons of extreme effort in ministry that's why about every six to eight weeks you'll see somebody else preaching because I know if I don't take a moment I will become susceptible to temptation and I gotta fortify myself Some of you got to understand that you are weak to temptation because you don't recognize seasons. I'm trying to help you here. See, I want to help you on this. There's a truth I need you to catch. See, we think that we're only susceptible to temptation during a cold season. I'm dry. I can't, everybody else is praising God, but I I don't feel nothing, man. I'm I'm in a wilderness. It's barren. And, And don't get me wrong. You are susceptible to temptation during cold seasons. But that wasn't the season David was in. It was the spring. Go back and recognize that up till this point, the spring was the most productive and effective time of David's life. He had never been defeated in battle. He had never been whipped by any enemy. He had always come out on top in the spring. 
But now all of a sudden in the spring, the successful moment, the great moment, he falls to temptation. I want to tell you this morning that if everything is going okay, that doesn't give you permission to let your guard down. If your bank account is full and the car's starting every time you turn the key and your kids are making straight A's, yeah, yeah, I, somebody ain't never had that season. I'm just, tell, I'm just telling you, it, it does happen. Every, <laughs> what is he talking about? I ain't never. In that moment, if we're not careful, we take our eyes off of God and we become open to temptation. David teaches us that you've got to stay on guard, that you may feel closer to God right now than you've ever felt before, but you can't afford to let your guard down. You don't get a vacation when it comes to temptation. You've got to mind that thing and guard that thing and watch for that thing because the devil will come wrong when you end up in the wrong place at the right time. The second thing that David teaches us that if you're going to defeat temptation is this, you've got to stop sending other people to fight your battles. The Bible says that David is taking it easy, eating grapes. I don't know what he's doing. Bonbons, uh, Krispy Kreme donuts, whatever he's eating. Taking it easy, and he sends Joab and his men to fight. How many of you know David was supposed to be with Joab? Uh, yeah, yeah. He sent somebody else to fight a battle that he was assigned to fight. And because he did that, he becomes susceptible and at danger to fall to temptation. And I just bring that to your attention because some of you keep falling because you keep sending other people to fight your battles. Well, if the pastor would get a word from me, I'll be able to survive. It's your own stinking word. Yeah, there are battles that I can't win for you. If, if my spouse would just have a breakthrough, then I would be able to make it. Quit trying to send other people to fight battles that you are assigned to fight. I can't get no help in here. That's all right. See, if you expect the pastor or your parent or your spouse to fight battles that you are supposed to be involved in, you are almost guaranteed that you will find yourself facing a temptation that you can't beat because you're in the wrong place at the right time. There are battles that you need to be involved in. Isn't it interesting that when we lay aside responsibilities that are ours and try to give them to somebody else, isn't it interesting that at that moment the enemy comes and attacks us? Yeah. I, I just don't feel like worshiping. I'm just going to let the worship team worship for me today. I just don't have much praise left in me. I pray temptation. I, 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 I'm not going to pay my tithes this month because everybody else is paying their tithes. And man, they got more money at that church and they know what to do with it anyway. So I'm just going to, and we abdicate our responsibilities. And when we do, David shows us that at the moment that you send somebody else to fight your fight, temptation will come against you and you'll fall. Third one is this, and this may be one of the more important ones. If you're going to defeat temptation, then you've got to quit. And stop researching temptation. <laughs> Let me help you. David must have had insomnia. I don't know what was going on. It must have been like remodeling the lobby or something in, in his palace. That's what keeps me awake at night. And so uh, he's up when he's not supposed to be up. And he walks out on the balcony. And he looks out over his kingdom. And be, lo and behold, there's a beautiful lady standing there. Let me help you. I've helped teenagers like this. Let me help you. Let me explain to you the difference between temptation and sin all right I don't want there to be any confusion here I want you to understand the temptation the difference between temptation and sin temptation is when you drive out of your neighborhood and you look to your right and there's this gorgeous woman mowing her yard in a two-piece bikini that's temptation 
when you drive around the block to get another look, that's sin. Seriously now, because that's exactly what happened to David. David could walk out on his balcony and go, oh my word, look at that. She's gorgeous. God, in all of your creative ability, you did this. Or the favorite pickup line that I remember from a series I did a long time ago where I talked about pickup lines, and I'll never forget it. I wish that I had it when I was 16. I would have used it to death. All those curves and me with no brakes. I mean, whatever, I could just I could just look and walk away, right? Yeah, so, some of y'all are slow, but you're worth waiting on. You're going to get that about nine, 3 o'clock this afternoon. David was tempted. He saw. And he could have stopped right there and turned and walked back into his bedroom and go, can't do that, can't touch this. Sorry, just had an 80s flashback, sorry. Uh, But he didn't do that. The Bible says that David researched the temptation. Whose is she? I, I, I got can I get some, I got to get her digits. Can somebody go get me some info on her? I need the full one on her. I, can some, and he researched himself right into failure. I wonder how many of us could have walked away unscathed from temptation. How many of us have faced battles that we would have walked away from victorious if we would have just walked away and quit researching? Uh we dig a little deeper and we find out a little bit more and I got to know a little bit more how much more information do you know need to know about her I'm not asking David I'm asking the guys in the room how much more info do you need to know other than the fact that she belongs to somebody else how much more info how many more details do you need to know to know that you don't need to contact her you don't need to fantasize about her you don't need to spend you don't need to invite her to dinner she's not yours how much more info do you need you got all the information you need to know you need to know this if you pursue her it will destroy your family and destroy her family too oh come on ladies i hear y'all amening but how many How much more information do you need? That guy that keeps pursuing you that's already married, how much more information do you need to know other than this little bit of information right here? If he'll leave her, he will leave you. He will trade you in. You don't need any more information about that. How much more information do you need about that house that you can't afford? You can't even make the house payment you're making right now. But one of these days, I'm going to research it. Boy, it's got, it's got 92 bedrooms and 62 bathrooms. And, and I know I'll never be. It will bankrupt my children's children. But I just want to fantasize. I'm going to call the realtor. I know I can't afford it, but I'm going to give me a break. You say, I don't, I don't do that. Well, then what about that car? Man, it got le- man that thing's got leather. And it's got like 92 cylinders and gets like 9,000 miles to a gallon. And I'm going to have to sell my kids to be able to pay for it. But that's all right, man. Uh, How much more information do you need? See, I just want to tell you this morning, there are some things you don't need to pray about. You don't need to fast about them. You don't need to pray. You don't need to go into a season of tearing and sackcloth and ashes. When you find out the fact that she belonged to somebody else or it would bankrupt you or would stress you out or cause pain in your marriage or cause you to stray from God's will, you don't need any more information. Stop researching that junk. Walk away. No, don't walk away. Run away. 
Get away from that thing. Don't sit there and fantasize it and plan it and debate it and talk about it. I need to get some wisdom and some count. No, you don't. Some of y'all just research right into failure. Research right into overwhelming debt. Research right into a divorce. Research right into a breakup. Research right into devastation because we won't stop when we're supposed to stop. Okay. And last but not least, David teaches us that there comes this moment where we got to man up and stop inviting other people to join the dance. There's this old statement that I learned when I was a kid. It takes two to tango. If, if you don't have a dance partner, you might be able to do some dances by yourself. I can't do any dances, but if you, if, 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 except my little can't touch this dance. But if you don't have a dance partner in a tango, you look like an idiot. So David, recognizing that he's not going to withstand this temptation, in fact, he's already failed, he makes the mistake of trying to invite somebody else to join the dance. He goes to Uriah and brings him off the battle line, brings him home and tries to sneak to cover him up, cover himself. He tries to get Uriah to sin because if Uriah comes off the battlefield and does what David asked him to do, it's sin for him. He's supposed to be at battle too. How many of us when we are facing severe temptation invite others to join us in that dance? How many of us, because misery loves company, and I'll feel better about the fact that I'm struggling with temptation if you were just tempted a little bit. I'm tired of seeing you glow in the dark. I want to see you be tempted too. So now what I will try to do is get you to do something that you're not comfortable with so that I can justify doing what I know I shouldn't be doing. I'm preaching right now. Some of you have been trying to invite everybody to your dance and get them to do stuff you know they should not do that goes against their convictions, but I'm going to try to get them to do it because it will make me feel better about me. And I just want to say this to you. You have no business inviting people to the dance. If you're struggling with temptation, then you need to get help. And we will pray with you. And we will hold you up. And we will hold you accountable. But quit trying to involve other people in that dance. Because they may not have that support system. And when you go to work and you invite them into your dance... You are setting some of them up for failure and destruction and they don't have anybody in their life that will come alongside them and help them resist and help them hang on. And if you invite them to that dance, it can produce destruction in their life. Quit inviting people to dance. Own your own temptation and get the help you need. Misery loves company. Temptation leads to tragic results. I wished everybody in the Bible had overcome temptation. I wished everybody in this day and age would overcome temptation, but the reality is is that this passage of Scripture that I read to you shows in no uncertain terms. It is as clear and as an evident portrait of how severe temptation is. Listen to me. Listen to me. If you fall, the results will not be pretty. Don't deceive yourself. Don't, don't fix it in your own mind that I can fall to this and it'll be okay. I'll survive. I'll overcome it. When it'll all work itself out. I got news for you. This passage teaches us that if you don't cut temptation off at the moment that it starts, it can lead to some unbelievably bad results. 
Now, you don't believe that? Go read his story. David, adultery, murder. He murders Uriah. In other words, you will injure people that you're supposed to be in relationship with. That's what he does. The death of a baby, the offspring, the product of your life is destroyed. His household from that moment forward is in complete and utter chaos because of bad decisions. Why? Because he wouldn't stay away from the stinking balcony. Some of you are in this temptation tango where I'm seeing how close can I get? I hear that question all the time. That's a terrible question. You know the end result. The end result is consistent, has been consistent, will always be consistent. Temptation leads to sin. Sin leads to death. You cannot change that equation. There are no exceptions even for you. And so you have to have the ability to go to that balcony and say, oh, no, thank you. I don't need any more information. I'm not going to look it up on the computer. I don't need to talk to nobody. I don't need to call the pastor or the prayer warriors to pray for me. I know if I cross that line, I am doomed to destruction. Now, if we can ever get there, then we can get beyond where I'm at right now because where I'm at right now is I'm sick and tired of seeing Christian people fall. I'm sick and tired of Christian people buying the lie that this is going to be okay and this is going to turn out all right and the, and, and the devil's not as bad as he used to be. Well, we apparently believe that because apparently we believe that his job descriptions changed sometime in 1986 and now he doesn't kill anybody anymore and he doesn't destroy families anymore and so I can play around with this junk. And it, that. Do you know that they're saying that right now in the body of Christ that pornography is at epidemic proportions because we don't think it matters anymore. Now, I'm just being real with you. I'm just saying to you, the price of admission to sin is always the same, death. And so what I've been trying to do over the last few weeks is teach you these principles so that you can actually resist, you can run, you can refocus your attention, you can respect others, you will refuse to, allow, to ask others to fight your battle, you'll quit researching this stuff and get away with your life so that we can walk out of this summer stronger than we are right now. You'll be equipped to defeat temptation and cut it off when? After it's matured into sin? No, you will be able to cut it off at its jump off point. And say, I can't do this. I want you to stand with me this morning. There's an old commercial. Now I really am going to date myself. It was a hair care product. And the slogan was, a little dab will do you. Yeah. I just came to tell you this morning that just a little dab of temptation is enough. You can't let it go beyond that. Guys, listen to me. Men, listen to me. Little dab's enough. You can't, you can't research it and expect to get away with it. Ladies, listen to me. Little dab's enough. Just a little. And if you're not on guard and you don't stay on guard, it can destroy your life. You say, well, see, that's in the Bible. Look around you. Look around you at the devastation 
that all started with just a little bit of temptation that somebody refused to cut off when it started. Father, this morning, I'm simply asking this. I'm asking that you would equip the folks under the sound of my voice. Help us to be strong. Help us to quit playing around with temptation. Help us to quit seeing just how close we can get without falling. God, I'm praying that you would allow the people of passion to come to this place where we refocus our attention on what really matters. We fight the the battles that we're assigned to. We stay out of the wrong place. So that we can walk in freedom and walk in relationship and walk victorious in you. That's that's our cry. God, I just want to say this to you. Don't let any of my people fall. I don't want to see them reaping a harvest of pain, tragedy, and death. Protect them. I pray that at the moment they're about to give in to something they shouldn't give in to, I pray that they would remember something that we've said over the course of the last three weeks. I pray that it would flash into their mind and into their spirit. They'd man up and defeat that thing before it produces a baby called death. God, I don't know what everybody in this room is facing. I just know this. Temptation is common and temptation is certain. So I'm not naive enough to know, not know that there are folks in this room that are being slammed with temptation. But Father, this morning I pray that you would strengthen them in their resolve and I pray that you would cause them to recognize that they're connected to people that love them. And help us to fight for one another. I can't fight their battle, but I can help them in their battle. I just pray that we would come alongside one another. And I'm, when I'm weak, I pray they'd be strong. When they're weak, I pray that I would be strong. And together, arm in arm, heart to heart, we would defeat temptation. We'd walk off the balcony. We'd stop the research. We'd halt the dance. And together, we would walk into freedom. Maybe you're here, every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm, I, I promise I'm not going to embarrass you. I just really sensed this. I didn't do this in first service. I just sensed this. If you're here and you say, Steve, I'm really battling temptation. And this, these messages have helped, but I, I just need you to remember me this week in your prayer time. If you just remember me, Pastor, I, I just really need an extra backing of prayer this week. Nobody looking around, not even the prayer team. This is just me and you. I just want to know who to pray for. If you're here and you say, that's me, Steve, I, I just I sincerely desire your prayers. Would you just lift your hand and pull it right back down? Yeah, I thought I was on track. Yeah. yeah. Father, you see my brothers and my sisters. I speak strength into them. 
pull the veil back. Let them see the end result of this thing. I come against the schemes and the attack of the enemy in their lives right now, and I take authority over it, and I link my faith with their faith that right now they are going to walk out of this place in freedom. Their eyes are going to stay fixed on what's really important. They will not forfeit their their destiny or their family's destiny or their friend's destiny because they refuse to run. I pray that in Jesus' name they would become strong in battle. I lift them up right now. I ask you to do that for all of us this morning. In Jesus' name, this is how we're going to end this morning. I, I just simply want you to turn next to someone that's standing close to you and say, I can't fight your battle for you, but I will pray for you. And together we're going to make it. Something along those lines, you're going to testify to them of the fact that you've got their back and that together we are going to defeat temptation. Come on, testify of that to somebody so they know they're not alone. Father, we make a vow together as a body. We covenant together as a body. That if one of us does fall, we'll do our very best to love them back into relationship. We'll follow your word now. Your word tells us that there's a moment where we have to turn away, but we will exhaust every resource to try. Father, I pray we'd become very mindful of one another. We would watch for one another. And when we see a brother or a sister beginning to research temptation, we'd step in and pull the plug and help. We call an end at Passion to Temptation Island. We refuse to let temptation isolate us anymore. We refuse to play the game and walk in here like we got it all together. We know we've all been tempted. We're all being tempted. But together, we can stay strong. We make that covenant with one another today in Jesus' name. And everybody said. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. 